And I would forgive every sin that they did if at the end Vader was evil. If, if instead, if, if he showed if, no remorse, if he showed, because what I wanted instead of no, I wanted to like, so be it. Welcome to episode three of The Deep End with Halen Pittman. I'm your host, Halen Pittman. With me tonight, John Jennings. Hello. Hey, how's it going there, John? Brought to you always, of course, from my, uh, from my garage in wonderful, beautiful Williamson, South Carolina. You may be able to hear some bird song in the back still. Um, yeah, there, there we go. There's some bird song. <laughs> Here at The Deep End, we're the podcast for forgotten or underappreciated media, artifacts, or memories. Those things we hope the world would appreciate more and would be a greater part of our collected lexicon, if you will. And uh, what would you like to talk about here tonight, Mr. Jennings? Basically, I want to talk about how the fact that I feel that modern film is kind of going more and more towards where longer movies equates to being a better film, as opposed to having a, not necessarily a short film, but a, a compact, concise story told in a reasonable amount of time, let's say two hours. Okay, so you're basically saying that you think a lot of modern filmmakers substitute length for for density, maybe? Yeah, they don't make it better by making it longer. A lot of times they put in things you don't need, and it's just extraneous. Like, do you have any examples or thoughts, anything particular? A movie, this, this might be kind of controversial, because a lot of people really loved this movie, but The Wolf of Wall Street, it was at least three hours, and it was a good film. I enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio as much as the next person, but it was just unnecessarily long. It didn't need to be a three-hour movie. You could have told the same story in a lot shorter time, or as opposed to the movie like Zombieland, which I guess is kind of a, an outlandish pick, but I love Zombieland as a movie. It's 80 minutes long, it introduces the world, and you get all the information about the characters you need to, and then boom, it's right into the story. And you get everything you need in that short amount of time. I definitely say there's something good, especially with stories like that, where you don't have to rely on an info dump. You, know, you don't have to have that scroll or someone you know, telling the entire history of the world. For that, they use the rules. Yeah. The rules, I think, is the, the, the... And when John originally brought this up to me, it reminded me kind of a really old argument in film. You know, back in the, the teens and even to the aughts and the 1890s, where they were first coming up with the idea to create the form of film. You had this argument between creators that is film meant for spectacle or is film meant for like a narrative form. So, you know, if you ever look at any really early films, which we'll be watching one tonight, Le Voyage dans la Lune by Georges Méliès. Uh, we'll be watching that here in a little while. I think I like it because I think it talks about both of John's points. If you are practice in your film, you only need to strike once with a really sharp sword as opposed to many times with a dull sword. You can have something that is spectacle and still kind of titillate from that side, but also have a kind of a more in deep story. It's based, of course, on uh, Voyage to the Moon, and uh, I hope you appreciate it. Uh, any Looking other, forward to it. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I, I will say I think part of my my idea comes from 
I will say my love of punk rock and all things that are short and to the point. I can definitely appreciate that. We love punk rock here, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm always appreciate. And yes, brevity. Philosophically, I really agree with that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can't tell it in two and a half minutes, what are you really trying to say? Yeah. yeah. Do you think that this is uh, really prevalent in, I guess they call them today's popcorn movies? Especially, like I know you use the example of, uh, of Wolf of Wall Street, which although is a big name, it's not really a popcorn picture in the sense that you want to you know, put dates in the seat of couples out there to watch the next Michael Bay explosion. Yeah. Quite timely since Transformers 4. Is it Age of Extinction? Is the I, I believe that it, unfortunately it will not be the extinction of the series of films. But I, I believe that is the name of the title. So it's a bit misleading in that aspect, I guess. All right. In genre filmmaking, I think that's a, a common sin. Really, more so, I feel, in fantasy movies, they, I mean, I guess the glaring example would be The Lord of the Rings, which I enjoyed those movies in the theaters, but in hindsight, like, I tried to go back and watch them later, just sitting around on the couch watching it, and it was, it was a task. A little off the point, I think the only one that, that really profits from that is Two Towers. Yeah, which I, I think could have been a little longer, if anything. They're, they're good films. I enjoyed them, and like I said, I definitely enjoyed watching them in the theaters, but they, they were it's a task to go back and watch them. It's almost a chore to sit through those movies, especially if you're going to watch the extended edition where they basically didn't edit them down and they just left everything in. It's tough, and that's not to say that I don't enjoy long movies. But I feel like movies now are just they're long just for the sake of being long, and it's I just think it's not good. As, as far as for distributors, and well, not distributors, but movie houses, it really doesn't pay for them to have a three-hour movie. You can only make people pay ten dollars, you know, five times per theater instead of you know yeah, ten, if you had eight times a theater. Shorter and, film, you can show that movie more times. You know, yeah. you think they you think the Cause theaters think, would I, want shorter movies. I think, that, I think that's the only thing that that, that kind of forces people to not do these glut films of you know four hour longs um i was speaking with tara earlier mm-hmm. uh, about this about this topic and she was referencing the early 2000 films uh gods and generals apparently financed by ted turner um because of the success of gettysburg his um this tnt program yes that uh they wanted to do gods and generals which is like a prequel to gettysburg yeah. of, of, of the the different forces and how you know it had a, a, a ton of actors, quality cast, everything around. The movie was all so large it actually had an intermission, like an old style nineteen forties intermission. Yeah, the thing just bombed. Like it, it cost like in sixty million ish to make and made like thirteen. Yeah, and, and I think the disconnect there was having it in more of a serial form on a TV show, where you can watch it in installment. You know, a substantial break in between. It's not a ten minute break. It's yeah. days. And you have commercials. Yeah, you have commercials in between so you can get up and go do whatever. And you're watching it in your own home. Which is weird to me because that also brings up the, the new phenomenon of binge watching. Mm-hmm. That there are people out there who are willing to sit for 12 hours and watch an entire season. I, I will say I have, I'm personally guilty of this. I believe it was season two of Justified. <laughs> I think I watched in the entirety of like one night. But, I mean, come on. It's, it's Timothy Oliphant and Walter Goggins. <laughs> I did that with season six of Barney Miller, and I am in love with that TV show. But I, I, I guess to the point about the difference between watching a long movie in a theater and then binge watching like an entire season of a TV show is, is one, I think you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can wear whatever you want, essentially. I mean, I guess you technically wear whatever you want to a theater, but as long as it's socially appropriate. Or not. Or, or not, even. Very, very true. Uh, I, th- I think it's just more about the home experience. Now, I can I can sit and watch all three Star Wars movies 
at once if I want to. I mean, that's no problem, but I don't, I don't know if I could do it in a theater per se. In my mind, the value of the theater is that shared experience. Mm-hmm. Like it's the cool things. We're going to watch Voyage Dawn's Saloon. Okay. Come back and talk a little bit more about that. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Cool. And we're back. And uh, John just watched, John, uh, just watched with me uh, The Voyage Dawn's Saloon, Trip to the Moon by Georges Méliès. Yes, yes. Uh, based on the Jules Verne. And uh, he also watched uh, The Haunted House in 1908. And Maison, Maison Associée, something like that? I think so, yeah. That sounds yeah. right. Five years of French many years ago. Oh, God, don't let my mom know. I don't know French. <laughs> this film was uh, from 1902. Uh, a little bit of an example. Uh, we watched, I chose both this and then Maison Associée as examples of early film, uh, 1902 and 1908, respectively, uh, with that debate of was something spectacle or narrative, or can it be both? And what's the value in it? Uh, both these movies are 15 minutes for uh, The Voyage Dans the Lune and like uh, eight minutes for the other film. And you get a lot of story, I think, pushed in. And, and for being 1902, very contemporary with, uh, with Jules Verne. So what'd you think of the films? I enjoyed them. Uh, it, it was definitely interesting, we talked about it in there, to, to watch the, the black and white version and then also to watch the I guess, for lack of a better term, the remastered version. Yeah, correct. We, which, did, we, we did watch two versions. Uh, one that was a uh, restored version that came restored, out. Restored, that's better. Yeah, in, uh, in 2010. Originally was meant to be in color. Mm-hmm. And, it was and, both, I think. Yeah, there was both color, color and black and white. And that they found a heavily degraded uh, version that they were able to cut back in, splice back in with hand-colored things to make a, a full, complete trip to the moon yes uh, one thing i thought was interesting about that is that it said that they couldn't fully do it until 2010 right that they didn't have the technology to do that until then which i thought was kind of remarkable yeah that, that, that now you can individually place and space everything back and it's really interesting because it was only 13,375 frames yeah which you know at, at, at modern day between 28 and now 60 frames a second mm-hmm. that goes by real quick yeah I definitely enjoyed both of them. I will say to our point earlier, I guess the basis of this episode, I, I clearly knew what was going on in the story. It was very clear. I'll, admittedly, more so in the second version. It opens at a learned institution where you have people dressed like wizards that I guess are supposed to be your professors and scientists. Mm-hmm. And this is like a research university that one of the guys comes up and says, I have figured out a way to shoot ourselves to the moon. And he draws it up on the board, and the one guy's like, no, you're an idiot. And they all, yeah, they all start laughing at each other and chuckling, and I think he throws his, a big harumph, and he throws his papers all up in the air. And, and then they, that's what I want out of scientists. Yes. I want the, the, the guys to be like, let's try it. I want some, some real-life Professor Farnsworths. Yes. Because <laughs> that's, honestly, that's kind of what he reminded me of. Right. The, yes. the very... The very Futurama-esque so the guy, professor. So the professor says, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a giant cannon and p- make a bullet. We're all going to get in the bullet and shoot the moon. So that's what they do. They, <laughs> you have the, these entire sequences of building the bullet that they're all going to ride in, having a giant cut-out forest area that the, where they're pouring in the molten metal into the earth to create these 400-meter-long barrel yeah, it's, it's, very, it's, a, it's very, it's very Saruman esque from yeah. Tower, Speaking of that earlier, it, it reminded me of if you ever played Final Fantasy VII, the giant cannon in Midgar. It reminded me of that. They poured and cast it. They 
pop this sucker up and then you shoot the bullet into the moon. Interesting, you may have, some people may have seen this before, the Smashing Pumpkins video Tonight Tonight uh, artistically is inspired by this film. You actually have you know, the moon where they get shot and crash into the moon. And, and the colored version is bleeding blood. The first movie looks like shaving cream and yeah. second they color it to look like blood coming out of the moon. It was, it was a little more hardcore than I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. Every, everyone gets out because, of course, the moon has the atmosphere. It's very chill. And they all get in their sleeping bags and they go to sleep yeah. on, on the rocky edifices of the moon. Although, uh, one thing I, d I did question was I wonder how long it took them to get there. Because like, the first thing they do is they get out and they all like stretch like they've been in a car for like seven hours or something. But... Right. The stars and the constellations are, uh, are watching them sleep. You know, I think you, you first initially you have your stars and they're like, what are the humans doing on the moon? And mm -hmm. you have the constellation. It's like one, one is like a picture of Jupiter that looks like actually has kind of like a, a Jupiter, a Zeus yeah. in there looking down on it. And you know, there's like Diana. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. The, and then, the goddess of the moon, and then you know, something like it looks like Gemini. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was. It looked like a set of twins. They wake up. And, uh, the scientists wake up and go into the deep caverns of the moon, where they find fungi everywhere. To which, here's what gets me: is this is commenting on the awesomeness of imperialism, <laughs> <laughs> that the little tribal moon person who comes out jumps around excitedly scratches its rear against the moon rocks and like tries to communicate with them they immediately slam it in the head with an umbrella and kill it in explosion yeah it was, it was a pretty pretty gnarly explosion too for it to get uh, come from an umbrella of all things and they just start killing the moon people and eventually enough numbers come up and they capture them and take them to the throne room of the king i think it's one of those you know traditional things if what's the first thing you do when you meet something new you kill it yeah it can't hurt you you can answer all your questions from dissecting it later. Yeah, exactly. it's Anything you want to know, you can find out from that. So they get taken to the throne room, and there they meet the king, to which the leader of these professors immediately picks up the king, like swings him around, and his body slams him down. Yeah. Kills the king. Yay, France. Being a French movie, yay, France. Yep. You know, we, have, we have defeated the king. Then we run away and escape and jump on their bullet, tilt themselves off the side of the moon to fall back down to Earth. Back down into the ocean. Oh, I will say I was pretty impressed with the superimposition of the the water. Yeah, yeah. Melier was uh, one of the first people to really experiment with the the magic of film, to do cuts where you, you, you to do dissolves to you know cut one thing out and then you know make it appear like another thing appears because you do a stop and a cut. You know he, he experimented with so many things. Uh, and, and you see these. They, you have a, a picture of the shoreline of the ocean waves just coming in as the water of the earth. And then the, the bullet drops in, and you actually it drops into a fish tank. <laughs> and with the salamanders, like, or newts kind of swimming around in it. And it comes back up. And a big steamship picks it up, and they come back and they celebrate. Yay, you have, you have made it back from the moon. To which the people of, uh, of the earth give all these conquerors giant moon pendants and a crown for one, yes. thing, for one of them, uh, to which the, the moon person who ran off and escaped and, and stowed away along with them comes out and tries to speak, speak with people to which he is leashed and then turned into a pet. Yes. I was going to say, in a move, I'm sure Ridley Scott stole. There, there is one latched on alien to the, to the ship. You know, as all good imperialists do, strap them on and use them as a, as a novelty. Uh, well, I think they, they put a leash on them, and then they, they dance them around in front of the monument. Of, of their of their wizards stomping on the king. Yeah, well, yeah, there's because there's the moon faces are just stomping on them. We have conquered the moon. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> of course that's what you do in science fiction. You go go to strange magical new places and kill the people and rule it. And you you in introduce them to the freedom and awesomeness that is humanity. <laughs> well, and then also we watched uh, 
Le Maison de Sorcellerie, uh, just to give kind of a counterpoint, because that is a movie just of spectacle, where you have three tramps uh, dressed up as clowns. I don't know if it's meant to make up as they are particularly clowns, or they're just trying to dress it up like a like a, a, a silly hobo. Yeah, but, I, I think it was just more of a visual effect, kind yeah. of like you said. The three, three come into a house, and you have... Early, really good early examples of stop motion because uh, the house is haunted, and you see you know all types of ghosts or cut in spaces where they like it almost looks like back projecting some of it or superimposing mm-hmm. certain parts of film. It's really really cool to see that so early in 08. You know, thinking that you know, people were doing these tricks that people are still doing before World War One. Yes, I can't decide if if the old woman in the in the mirror was more impressive or. The, the teapot was more impressive. The teapot was really well right. done. There's, there's a stop motion thing of a knife cutting a uh, like a salami or some type of so sausage, some kind of meat, and it it like cuts them into pieces and then stacks them all up. Really great stop motion of like it's you know kind of like a ghost hand doing it. And there's even some humor with one parts of the meat tries to run away and escape, <laughs> and it ha- the knife has to chase it and come back and bring it back. Basically, it's like these ghosts are kind of making a table for these these hobo slash tramps to eat. And there's also tea made. You can tell it's not stop motion. It's actually wire work. And that's pretty amazing is that it goes to these three different teapots. It tips up and moves before you could digitally remove the wires. You just had to shoot this till it didn't show up. Because I always remember so many of these early films, people would come out from all around town and come watch these things because they'd travel through. Or they'd go with burlesque shows, yeah. which is really funny we don't have time to watch it and I don't want to get into the politics of it because who lord from that 1908 you just go uh, seven years later to Birth of a Nation the first epic piece of film because up until that point almost all film had been no longer than 30 minutes and this thing chucks in in hours of telling this giant epic story (laughs) William Bedford Forrest I, I believe so yeah William Bedford Forrest the founder of the Ku Klux Klan you know kind of mythologizing this guy I guess um, I'm not that good of a southerner. I don't I don't know his actual name. That's that's just fine. <laughs> I was going to say, but I feel I feel like that's one that's one pass. Maybe I can you take. are a better southerner <laughs> for not knowing someone who founded was, one of the most heinous hate groups. Yeah, ever. Well, but yeah, it's just a very short thing to where they start jumping in like immediately into this really expansive form. But I, I appreciate Trip to the Moon. You know the story the entire way, and it tells a concise, direct story in thirteen and a half minutes better than things four times its size, five times its size. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if that movie were shot today, we would have known the backstory of every scientist, who their parents were, why their parents treated them that way. We would have seen a separate movie just from the moon people. You know, it, and I, I, guess, I guess that's the distinction we're drawing. Is plus, that, plus product placement to, yes. pay, to pay for all the... I um, mean, we would have known what rocket fuel sent that bullet there. Or I guess what kind of gunpowder. Yeah, and, you would, and th- those umbrellas would have been like, you know, Halliburton yes. <laughs> umbrellas or, or Coca-Cola Incorporated. I mean, I guess that's unfortunately the way it is. Well, uh, I mean, but, I don't but, know if it has but, to be that way. But. That, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be because I think although... It, spectacle is beautiful. I don't think it leaves as lasting impression as a good story. I, I will. I will say that. I, I, that's that's really evident. I feel in the uh, remasterization of the Star Wars movies. Like I mean, there's a, there's a thing of using like uh, something that is atmosphere, but when you get so self indulgent, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not atmosphere anymore, and it removes you from the story. I was always, of course, it's a great having you on. I'm glad talking about this, and I hope we uh, hit some of your points, uh, arguments about you know, is, is is narrative more important 
and spectacle and can. Well, how would you how would you sum it up? I, I would I would say there definitely can be a happy medium. Thank you, John, for joining us here on the deep end. It's all it's definitely a pleasure. No problem. Thank you for having me. I was glad to be here. Hope this uh, worked out for a couple of you. Go movies. Go uh, go forgotten arguments. And uh, sometimes it's good to ask a little better than what you're fed. Because there's always more out there. There's always more to learn. There's always more to appreciate. And sometimes it's okay to ask for more because it's out there. Everyone, have a good night.